What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Sober Bartender Podcast, the show where we've recovered from life. I'm your host, Brandi Kelly. Today, my guest is Aislinn Campbell. Aislinn says, I plant seeds of abundance in my desire to inspire the world to cultivate gardens of life. She's a lifestyle and garden coach and has been growing food on family land, in community gardens, and in her own backyard for over three decades, honing her hands-on expertise while developing edible 100% organic gardens in South Texas. She's a communications professional with a background in agriculture, nonprofit management, pediatric, and senior health. She recognized South Texas's need for access to affordable, locally grown food and created the Corpus Christi Downtown Farmers Market in 2012. One year later, she founded Grow Local South Texas, a nonprofit organization that provides affordable access to nutrient-dense food and promotes a healthy lifestyle to develop and cultivate South Texas's local food system. Throughout Texas, Aislinn is a well-respected speaker, a local food advocate with a focus on marketing, edible landscape, seed-to-plate nutrition, social entrepreneurship, and community leadership. Hazlin has consistently worked as a public voice to increase the quality of life, health, and wellness within her community, zeroing in on how to best utilize and manage green space, increase community responsibility, change habits that create waste and overconsumption, increase pedestrian safety, and access to affordable, healthy food. So everybody, without further ado, help me welcome Aislinn Campbell. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes. So I recently met Aislinn and listening to her talk just lit something up inside of me because I have these internal conversations going on almost constantly. And then hearing somebody else say out loud what I was thinking, I was like, I don't know how, but we like, we need to connect. We need to talk. And I believe the words that you said were like, I'm recovering from life. Yeah, exactly. I was like... Yeah, that's the, yeah. And the, and the, and the hearing someone else talk. I love that. I love like hearing someone say the words, especially as maybe you're like starting to begin to try to say them out loud, the thoughts that are going on inside your head, then to hear someone else say them out loud, to be able to like synthesize that and to pull it together. Um, I actually practice a lot of stuff like saying things out loud. I try to practice on like other people. Like I've talked to my plants in the garden and, you know, <laughs> trying to practice that stuff to just, you know, say, well, what does that sound like out loud? Because I'm, I'm an aud- like, I'm a speaker and I'm an auditory learner. And like, in terms of, you know, like I'm in it, you know, so mm-hmm. I understand that completely. And then I think that I believe in divine will or uh, harmonic resonance, which means that we begin to like align with each other. And so we're not thinking these things alone. We're thinking them of the same mind from within separate bodies, you know? And my newest thing is I'm recovering from separation from God. That's what I'm recovering from. So even the idea that life is, Life, life and time is this thing that we've created in a body that we believe we are separate from God. And so it's not that I'm recovering from life so much. It's that I'm recovering from this world that we created where we were separate from God. And that's really what I'm recovering from. So, yeah. Yeah. I feel that here. I'm so glad you're here. So you're, you're a garden teacher, but you're not just a garden teacher. You've been involved in 
the wellness community forever. Yeah. Yeah. When I was 13, I had an accident with a riding lawnmower and nearly cut my foot off and then like really hurt my leg really badly. And that was like the first step in what I would consider like the, 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 you're, you're going along in life. Right. And then you discover there's something different about your life and it takes you on a completely different course. And if I had gone down here and done it a little bit differently, it would have been a different, but that's what happened to me. And that was where I think the initial like cutoff, she's different. She's going to be different. And everything is about her is going to be different. And so I have like a high level of, of mental anxiety and things like that. Trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, I have experience with the medical system. I know what really bad pain. I know what it feels like to live through really bad pain, real pain. I know what it feels like to recover from really bad pain. Um, and that's really been the story of my life in many different ways. You know, I had premature baby and preterm labor. I had, um, you know, scares with other kinds of health conditions. Now I'm struggling with autoimmune disorders in my life and mental health things. And so I think that that was the first step in God teaching me how I was going to be someone that could communicate to others. How are we going to deal with suffering? And so that sent me down a wellness path long before I really understood more about what my purpose was about this whole concept of like, let's talk each other through suffering. Now suffering is a part of life, but um, how do we do it? How do we live in this life? But also like, be not be of it like know that it's not it's not the end of the world this suffering this adversity that we're going through it's just a part of an experience that we're having and i think that there's some of us that just were we all have different purposes and if we're if we begin to align with our harmonic resonance, our divine will, then we then we begin to know what it is. Why did this stuff happen to us? Instead of saying, oh, I'm a victim of all of these bad things and not taking any responsibility for what it is that God has given me that's made me special and made me unique and made me be able to learn special things. And so that's, I mean, for me, it, 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 it began with a real desire to understand wellness better. You know, um, I, I actually, some of my background, I, I, I went off into my own world of like the nonprofit sector and I built a nonprofit and then now I'm out on my own at the farm, but I've worked in, um, children's healthcare and also senior healthcare. So I've been in the, the healthcare business and I would consider myself an off grid when it comes to um, healthcare and wellness and stuff like that. I don't, I haven't held health insurance for years. Um, I just stepped away from it. It wasn't helping me, but I had a lot of experience with it. I worked in it. I, I had experience in it, in it with different bodily issues that I had dealt with. I had dealt with where essentially I wasn't ever really getting good answers. And also some of the things that were happening were also creating me more problems for me to have to deal with. And so sometimes I think it's hard for people. What I've learned in kind of this wellness realm is I think sometimes it's hard for people to be willing to take responsibility for their own healing and for their own wellness. And so I think that part of me having to go through like, okay, well, how do you even learn how to communicate wellness in not a doomsday type of way? Like if you don't take, I mean, we're brought up, I, I, 
I, I, I hate to use this, but I, I always do. And that is that, that we're brought up, especially in a Christian culture of like this tyranny and punishment of the Jesus Christ consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, if you don't do it my way, you are going to hell rather than saying like, okay, together, we're going to learn how to go down this path together. And when you're ready to go down this path together, you know, whatever. So we don't want to take responsibility for the idea of having to step out on our own and figure out how do I deal with wellness and healing. And even if it's a matter of the first steps for me are in in relationship with some sort of um, actual medical treatment or something like that. Well, I got sent down the path really early. And so it's all my life has ever been about is like literally learning how to heal. I started learning how to heal when I was 13 and I've been doing it for 40 years, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So do you, I guess there was a question that was forming as you were talking. Do you feel like, I feel like the medical industry is beneficial sometimes in a diagnosis, but I know a lot of people have a hard time in receiving one, but it's like, you know, there's, there's more help in telling you what's wrong than there is in giving you a viable solution. I think that we don't feel secure enough to really, we don't have enough information. Like if you think about even going back to the religious stage again, it's like you go to the priest and the priest tells you how to talk to Jesus, or you go to the priest and the priest tells you how to get your um, salvation, you know? Um, and so we, we can't, we can't just imagine that it's possible that we could actually within our own um, self begin to understand that we actually know what's going on with us. So we look to them for, we look to other people for objective opinions. The problem that has occurred is that their objective opinion doesn't include, doesn't integrate our actually living in the body. It's like, here's what you need to do. Oh, you're not going to do that. Well, I'm sorry, you're going to be punished for it. You know, rather than that, it's like, okay. And this is the reason why I don't, um, on the podcast that we do, we talked with our naturopath LaDonna and we specifically talked about this idea of us coming together, the practitioner and even the expertise that she has, that she's learned from the medical industry. And then my expertise about there is literally no one on this planet that knows Aislinn Campbell's body better than Aislinn Campbell knows it, right? So how is a doctor going to be able to do his job without knowing everything he needs to know from me? And, you know, and if it's someone that's outside or, or someone that's taking that into account, let's pull in because you think about, we don't want to drop back in history and lose what we've learned in technology, right? So sometimes people will say, well, if we could just get back to the old natural ways. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. Like, why don't we move forward with some of the interesting technology that we've taken, plus the natural ways that we know. And instead of fighting with these two things, let's bring them together here in the middle with the person that knows their body better than anything else, with the person that mind, body, spirit goes, you know, into their space. But a lot of people don't want to take responsibility for that because it's scary to be out there on your own. I have, like I said, I've been out there on my own for, I had a home birth with my daughter. She's 18. So, and that was not even really the beginning stages of me leaping out there on my own and saying, I have to take more responsibility for my choices with my body. Right. And, so, but most people don't want to do that. I have a different, and I think that this goes back to me saying that like, 
there's a purpose in me that God put in me and that it is a special part of who I am. I have less fear to step out there on my own and to take care of things. But I think part of that is because I actually went through a bad, painful accident and I lived through it. That means that like people create inside their mind, like a woman who's never really had any experience with the medical system at all and doesn't really have like you know, uh, a ton of experience with that goes in to have a baby. And they're just like, whatever you tell me to do, that's what I'm going to do because they, they can't imagine trying to do it by themselves. They can't imagine like that they, and then they, and then we get taught or told like the worst case scenario that's going to happen. And now we're afraid that our body can actually, well, I've actually been through the worst thing. You know, the only thing I haven't been through really is death. Right. And so I've been through this worst thing. I've lived through it. I've seen the bad parts that can happen in the hospital, the miserable parts that can happen in the hospital. And I've seen the success that my body can have. And so I, and then, and then you add into it, this little bit of a special character light inside of me that says, I can do this. I can do this on my own. And there's little pieces of that that give us the confidence and the conviction to make more choices on our own, but to always go back to God to get there. So what I'm, so in answer to your question, the idea is like, I think we need integrated conversations. We need objective opinions. We need people who have done more research about things than we have done. But at the end of the day, I'm responsible for how my wellness is concerned. I have to take 100% responsibility from the moment that the way I treat myself with stress to whether I drink lots of alcohol and smoke cigarettes to whether I eat a bunch of sugar, whatever it is that I do in my life, I have to be responsible for everything about it. And frankly, people don't want to take responsibility for all of that stuff. It's, it's not comfortable. We don't like it. It's suffering. Mm, the truth yeah the truth can feel like suffering <laughs> yeah yeah right and we're afraid of suffering we're afraid to like and especially in this time period and i'm not saying it's better or worse than like history but in this particular time period we're so it's so life is so easy man everything is just oh just call somebody up oh just type it in on the computer oh just you know and if we give it get even remotely comfortable we might be without toilet, toilet paper. Everybody freaks out. Like we literally can't handle a little bit of pain. Like a little bit of thought of inconvenience is just like the end of the world for us. And, I, and so part of my like recovery discussions and discussions with people is like, what are you doing to prepare for adversity? Because it may not be the end of the world adversity. It might just be something like, what if, you're, what if your child has a major accident? You think my mom's whole life didn't change the mom, like her job, her, whether she was going to cook dinner that night, what everything in her world changed. And that's just normal life. That happens to people all the time. Adversity comes no matter how much you try to protect yourself and do everything to keep on that comfortable and convenient lifestyle. You, we're we're going to deal with suffering. That's what life is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's definitely. And we're somewhere conditioned to think that it's not a regular part of life. Then we can work our way out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or we can buy our way out of it or yeah. someone else doesn't have suffering. You know, every time I uh, watch any documentary or story or like autobiography, you know, or like a biofic fiction story about some big celebrity and I look at their life and I'm like, 
they had everything and they were still suffering. They still dealt with addictions. They still dealt with um, people that died that they loved. They still had mental disorders, you know, I mean, they still deal with, you know, suicide and all of these different kinds of things. So you can get to the very top of Kilimanjaro and have accomplished all of the things you ever wanted in life, but you're still going to li- have to live life or you choose not to live life anymore. And that's a fast road to the end of life, you know, and, and some people have and are choosing that. And, and, it, and, and frankly, it's not my purpose in life to judge that in someone else. It's just simply to live a, as a witness to what I see as another opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then when I live that out, people see a light in that and go, mm-hmm. okay, maybe there is hope or maybe there is something better, or maybe I'm striving all this stress and mental health that I'm dealing with. Maybe I'm striving for something that at the end of the day, isn't going to give me everything that I imagine that it can give me. And, and I, I think about Clearly, I spend a lot of time by myself, so I talk, you know, and I, and I, um, I think, you know, I'm very contemplative for sure all my life. And that, that was something I was born with, you know, I mean, yes, all of this stuff like added to my like, like arsenal of wisdom, but the, the idea that I was born somebody that was going to be kind of a prophetic mind, someone just, uh, um, uh, uh, um, Uh, philosophical mind is a better way to say I also think there's some prophecy in there too but philosophical mind that I'm just going to be contemplative about things and I think that's how I ended up in the garden in all honesty is because I was constantly looking for something that made me feel better about myself in all ways and one of those ways was somewhere where I could feel like I had I gave value to the world but I could also think because our time period isn't made for philosophers you know I mean if you think about Plato and Aristotle and of all of the different ones um you they had that was a time period when that was acceptable and in the time period we're in now if you don't um, make a widget and um or you know sell something you don't you have no value you know your labor is not you know helpful to the world and especially females you know i mean there might be some male philosophers out there right now but female philosophers are you know, there's a devaluing of female philosophy out there. And so um, that's one of the things, I mean, and all of that, like all of that kind of stuff is kind of some of the stuff that I have, you know, had to recover from just like this labeling of um, being an outsider. Someone told me yesterday uh, that came out to the farm and we were just talking and and he said like, I don't want to offend you, but he's like, man, you're a hippie. And I was like, I have been labeled that my entire life. And so what I have, I have tried to do within the labels of the world is, um, is to say, you know, I am who I am and that, that you see a hippie as someone as an outsider. Yeah. I've always been an outsider, but at the same time, I, I bring a lot of value to the system by spice, by being on the outside looking in and by giving new ideas to the world that you never know when the next phase of evolution change in the world needs us to have different types of thinkers in the world, you know, out there. And so I, some of my like recovery stuff has been about like self-harm because I'm so different, you know, all of my life being so different. Um, and, and how do we, how do we, um, distract from, um, self-harm type things? We drugs, alcohol, 
um, you know, uh, food, TV, social media, you know, all of the things. And, and, and that's why, you know, why I go to the group where we've met is because I'm, you know, I'm wanting to face the cravings to distract myself from these things that I've done to kind of like protect my thoughts, you know, to protect my fear of like, like going deep inside and seeing that ultimately what I'm afraid of is that I've disconnect that I have disconnected from God, my internal altar of light. I have like forgotten who I am. And that, and, and, um, and to, to think about that as like your deepest regret, your real regret at being separation from God, that's like the scariest thing. That's like saying we chose hell over heaven. You know what I mean? And that's devastating to think that we, we personally, purposefully chose that. So what do we do? We don't look at it. We watch the TV. We do the drugs. We drink the alcohol. We do anything. And then we start projecting all of that feeling inside of us out into the world. So it can be like, well, we drink because our boss is a jerk, you know, well, really it's still internal, our own stuff, or we drink to keep ourselves from having to um, go nuts with our kids that are climbing all over us, you know, or, you know, whatever it is we come up, we drink because our dad was an alcoholic and he beat us, you know, like we, we, and, and, and I'm not saying, I'm not denigrating any of those things that we feel. I'm simply saying that we're, that we're, that we're projecting. And when we project, we're creating all of this stuff around us that makes our world really horrible to live in. Um, and, and, and really bring it right back here to the center, to our altar and, and face, face the truth that Jesus is always asking us to face really, or at least that's what I believe. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like, so the, the problem is, is external and the answer is to stop running from it and to go within. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The Course in Miracles stuff that we've been talking about lately is, um, is to, to, is training or retraining me, or it got, got me thinking about it even again, is to think about the thoughts you think about, right? And if you think, think about the thoughts you think about, don't judge them, just see them. Because what we don't realize is how powerful our thoughts actually are. And so we project our thoughts onto our body. We project our thoughts out into the world, but the internal stuff that we're dealing with, we haven't even given it space to show us why it's really sad. And so we, if we stop for one second and start thinking about like, literally what are our thoughts thinking about? We guarding our thoughts is how we solve the problem. And that's the course, the course is the recent uh, week that we studied with the course um, is very much, it's like the 12 step program. It's like recovery. It's like recovery Dharma. It's, it's all of those words. It's telling us exactly those things because it's like, you can change all the behaviors, but you did, if you didn't change what's going on inside here and, and the thoughts that are like, feeding that or, you know, then you're not going to change. You're just going to transition it from, from one addiction to another addiction to another addiction. And I think to me, that's maybe one of the greatest unfoldings of the world. Like we've gotten to a point now where we're saying, no, you're not just addicted to alcohol. You're not an alcoholic. You're not any of that. You, you have a deeper sadness inside of you that you're just, you're never going to change it until you go back to the basics. And the course says, go all the way back to the beginning. 
all the way back to the beginning where we made the first choice to separate. That's at the beginning is where we make the change. And so that's where really where I'm I'm really starting to center and focus myself on to thinking about what I think about all of the time, not judge it. Because if I judge it, I start thinking about the shame, guilt, and fear projected out. Whose fault is it that I'm thinking about that? You know, whatever. But just to let it be so that eventually my mind can shift into that divine will and the divine resonance to what is the will of God for this body to do while it's here, to be the hands and the feet of God while it's here on this planet. Right. And, and I can do that by going back to the, to the original sin. I hate to use that word because it scares people, but I mean, essentially that one thing, you know, the thing that I I've learned recently that I love is, um, is me beginning to understand that that space and time are irrelevant. We use space and we were given space and time as a gift to keep us from thinking, creating and immediately. So like, if you think about like, man, I could kill that person. Well, that thought actually sends it out into the world. And if it weren't for space and time, we would immediately kill that person when we think about it. That's how powerful our thoughts are. And so God gave us space and time to like smooth it out while we were learning how to get back. But in addition to that, space and time isn't real. The beginning and the end have already occurred in the beginning and the end. So the moment we had the first thought of separation, we were already back with God. So we're already back with God. So let's get back. Like, let's just keep getting back there because we're already there. And that, that makes, that's like, it takes all the doom of revelations and all the doom of all the stuff out and says, you know, get it back. The thing that's good about like you and I talking and connecting and us sharing our story or our witness with the world is, is that we can say to other people, this is how we're living in it, but not of it. This is how we're changing our lives to feel better in the moment because it's easier said than done when your partner makes some snotty little comment and now you're going, you're like, you know, and you're stepping back out of, I like that the course teaches that even, um, even some of the greatest masters, um, are still called into temptation while in the world. Like as long as you're in the world, you're going to be still called back into temptation. And that the great news is that the son of God, the beginning is already done that the whole, it's already done. It's already (laughs) solved. You know, I don't know. That's a huge relief for me. And I, and I think the more people I talk to about it, you know, and even in like, sticking with the recovery side of it and talking to people about that side of it. And then like, because people will say like, well, I want to quit eating sugar, you know? Um, and I keep trying, but, um, and it's, and I said this this morning when I was talking to somebody, um, one of the places where fear and strain comes in is that we should do the thing. So we go do the thing we should do, but it's not the thing we want to do, right? So we were talking about cooking as an example, or even eating sugar as an example, right? We should meditate. We should stop eating sugar. We should cook dinner. Well, what do we want to do, right? Okay. We start by saying, well, what I want to do is eat that cookie. Is that really what you want to do? Because if what you really want is to feel better, how do we get back to that? What do I really want? And so what happens in how we create the fear, shame, guilt, and all that, how we keep going back into the insanity loop is that we should, so we run over here and we should ourselves a few times, we should all over ourselves. And then we actually just are not really want that we haven't really connected with what we actually want. 
And so we're just going to keep going around and around and around in the same insanity loop over and over and over again, because we're afraid, we're scared, we're still doing the same things, the, the behaviors, we're still doing the behaviors over and over again. We haven't gone back to the source of the main issue to make any real changes for ourselves. And so I'm like, hey, if you're, if you don't want to eat sugar, think about why you really don't want to eat sugar and spend some time contemplating about how that feels to you. Well, if I don't eat sugar, I'm going to have cravings for sugar at night when I go to bed. And then, you know, feel that, like, think about it, like how, like, think about what you're going to have to do without, like, what are you really having to do without? And I, I'm actually a really good journaler. Like it's one I'm, I know a lot of people don't like it because it feels like forced, you know, whatever I've learned as a journaler to just write, like, it doesn't have to be anything. Like sometimes I just write like, like crap, uh, nothing, nothing. It's not like a purposeful journal. I just write and stuff. But I've noticed that like, if I write something in there about this thing that I'm talking about, like, well, why should I do that? Why do I not want to do it? What do I actually want to do? Okay. I like to use um, cleaning the bathroom toilet as example for me, right? Because I, that's like my number one, the hardest things for me in the world. Like I, I do not want to clean my house. I do not want to clean my house ever. Well, what do I really want? I want to feel better. I want my house to be light. I want, if I'm going to be in a wellness industry, I want my house to feel clean and well. I want my bathrooms clean. I want my toilets clean. I don't want to go in and be like, oh, it's gross in here. You know, that's my sanctuary. Sure. That's my, that's my private space. I want that space to be clean. So I journal that stuff out. Like, what do I really want? Well, I want clarity of mind. I want clean cleanliness. I want help. I want wellness. Okay. Does a dirty bathroom, right? Okay. You still don't want to clean the toilet. Well, what do you want to do? I want to go outside and get some sunshine. Then go outside and get some sunshine because someday you're going to want to clean that toilet and you're going to clean the toilet. And when you do, you'll feel good about it. And there's been something about like just thinking about that stuff in that way. What is it that I actually want? I don't want to clean the toilet. Well, what do you want to do? That kind of thing. That's really helped me out. And I think with a lot of the like recovery stuff, a lot of the addictions and stuff like that, I feel like that's a part of it too. Like, let's get back to what you really want. Why do you want that? You know? And I think that I'm not necessarily speaking to people that are at the very, very depths of the hardest um, types of addictions. You know, I mean, I think that that's a different level of like conversation and, um, and um, communication from a different level of, of, of communicator, you know? Um, And, and that's a different level of, desperation let's put it this way you know so yeah yeah and and, i appreciate but in the in the beginning i'm sorry if you can hear large snoring while you're talking my dog is going (laughs) (laughs) Uh, love dogs in the back here (laughs) he's all wet Um, and gross he's been outside today (laughs) yeah i've got sand all over me for mine Uh but yeah so i've noticed that in the beginning i needed certain things. And there was a lot of shoulds that I absolutely, that were necessary for me to get back to. I had to clear a lot of stuff out in order to get back to that. You know, we called it uh, a God-sized hole. Yeah. That I was filling with all of these things. That's what they call it in like 12-step recovery. Things look different when you're not, you know, you're no longer battling with 
with the substance, you know, then it's just recognizing that, you know, that there is a connection or a lack thereof, like you're there or you're not. And then keeping all of this, like all of the stuff in your head cleared out and out of the way so that you can just pursue that connection and pursue that. Like you said, like into the world, like, what am I doing here? Cause I'm here. So am I here? And am I going to eat a bag of Sour Patch Kids and watch the office again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you might, like, I promise you, like, even in the talk of this, like I was saying that we all, we all fall into temptation and don't judge yourself or anyone else when we do, because that's just what it is with life, you know? And, and, you know, I think that we, we rise up, we rise up out of when you start to really feel like a a draw, like there's something in you that's calling you away from the actual substance addiction, right? You start to feel it. Right. And, um, and you argue with yourself for a very long time, even in the beginning stages of feeling that. And, um, because I, I want to be, I want to make it clear that while I still talk about like the recovery of like life and recovery from separate self and all of that, I have past substance abuse issues as well. You know, habits with substance abuses. I've had to make shifts in terms of that kind of stuff too. So I completely understand what you're saying. It's like, it's like taking, it's, it's, it's like taking steps up a ladder, right? And you're not supposed to like try to jump up the ladder, you know, and it's not, and even that is like, oh, well, uh, uh, above me with their, you know, like that's, that's all an illusion in itself too. But think about it that way. Like, it's okay. You don't have to try to jump from, from the first floor to the 10th floor, you know, go to the second or third floor. And then if you go back down to the first floor for a little while, don't be in judgment of that because that just puts you right back in that shame, guilt, and fear just puts you right back into it again. And then you start trying to use that stuff again, just to cover it up again, you know, but, but when you get to a certain level, you'll start to see those substances peel off, you know? And I, and I think that, I think that as much as we want to believe that everyone, we can, we know that everyone has the ability to recover from substance abuse but that doesn't mean everyone's going to recover from substance abuse before they reach the end of their life. Right. We know that that's the case. And so it's not ours to judge like how that happens for that person and what, what, what God and the the whole of God is learning through the suffering of that person that they're going through the way that we, they are. Um, I look at history of, abuse with women and racial abuse and all of those types of things. And I think that like, thankfully for those people that were, that, that went through that suffering, we have learned what we would, we're not doing anymore. We're not doing it that way anymore. We can't do it that way anymore. And I think that the substance abuse stuff is part of that. Like as we bring a new drug onto the scene, and now we're talking about even pharmaceutical drugs, as we bring a new drug onto the scene, some people are going to suffer before we discover we're not doing it like that anymore, you know? And so that's the thing I think about with life and, and that suffering is a part of life. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't, we're, we're, life is about, I, my, my favorite term is hands in the dirt learning. You know, that's how we do life. It's hands in the dirt learning. And um, that's how I like to share things. That's, that's how I learn. You know, I learned because I, I experienced it. And I think that that's the world 
I think that that's how God learns in this world. I'm not saying that I know how God learns in every world or how the ultimate God learns or, or even whether the ultimate God really learns. But I think in our world, that's how God learns is by doing it, suffering, experiencing it, experiencing good and bad, not just bad, but good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do love the application of the course when it comes to any of the pain. Um, I think I've told you, I haven't done the course in miracles on my, on my own. Like I got it. I was at a, there's an old timer in an AA meeting in Seattle and you know, he's given me all these books. So I did read A Return to Love by Mar- Marianne Williams. Yeah, yeah. And so I fell in love with that. And then I came yeah. across the course at uh, a half price books. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like the sheets are like the Bible and like the Book of Mormon. I grew up Mormon. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just fascinated. So I did take like these many little offsets. And mm-hmm. I just love the whole concept of of choosing again, like you said, like, thinking about the thoughts that you're thinking and like the holy instant of choosing, Mm -hmm. choosing love when there's fear, because recognizing that fear is an illusion. And when I think about that, like I discussed that with my husband and he's like, no, fear is real. And I'm like, it's really an illusion in your mind because you're worrying about something that has happened or that may happen, but not what is happening. So I think that that plays a big part in our suffering is that we're suffering before there's even an event or we're suffering in relation to something, you know, and the past isn't here and the future hasn't happened. And that's that whole time space illusion once again. Yeah. 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 And we're holding on to the historical data, right. And the historical data tells us how to, and you know, I'm actually, I've, um, so I've, done the daily practices of the course, um, one whole year. And then just recently started over again. And that, but then I had read the course part probably mm, two or three times before I actually went into studying the daily lessons a year ago. And, um, and then I also listened to it on audible. So sometimes like, especially right now, um, I'll listen to it as I'm studying the chapters. I'll listen to that chapter and just like, you know, get it in me again. But I'll tell you that like, Every single time I read it, I, I have another revelation. Um, I think a more common way of saying revelation is an aha moment, but, um, the course teaches you that the revelations are actually the, the voices from God. They're the actual things. Boom. God gave you something. Boom. God gave you something. Um, but God does, isn't going to give you something if you're not there to receive it. That's, that's how it works. God's like, oh, you, I will give you something the moment you're ready to receive it. And so I think that all the pieces of, and it's funny because return to love is how I learned about the course of miracles the very first time too. And so, you know, when that first came to me, uh, I was like, well, what's that about? You know, and then looked into it. It was actually scary to me at first when I first started reading the course of miracles because of all of the like ways that I had been taught in the Christian religion. And even still, when I brought it back up a year ago, I, I got a lot of like pushback from people that, you know, we would say that, you know, and I, I can understand how there's some fear in that initially, but um, when you really get into it and dig into it, it's everything that it's everything that Jesus was trying to teach us. And now when I go back to try to read um, the Bible or any of the other pieces of stuff, I'm, I, I read them in such a different manner and I hear them in such a different way and it feels so relieving and so hopeful. And um, in the, and I, and I think that the course um, I, I think what I think is that the course in miracles is not a book for everyone, but I think the course, the way 
is for everyone. And the thing that I find fascinating about that is how many people have compared it to different types of recovery programs, 12 steps, um, and have brought it in and said, oh, this is exactly the same thing. And I'm like, so what that teaches me is, is the course is the way. <laughs> Not A Course in Miracles is the only way to learn or that you know, only your version of Jesus that your preacher or your priest taught you is the way. The course is the way. And that's a relationship that you develop with God and God, you know, comes to you in that way. And some of us, it may be like in, in the, in the hardest points of desperation that we finally like, you know, I, I actually find it very fascinating that it feels like some of the people that are in the most like that haven't maybe even haven't been brought up in a religion at all, or that are in the deepest parts of desperation and abuse, uh, substance abuse or anything like that, that can be the quickest to have the holy instant, like, boom, they are like, in it. they are like the greatest witnesses for things. And so I think, I mean, even if you think about the way Jesus taught about like the prostitutes and the thieves and the, you know, the different people that Jesus said, no one is left out because everyone and different people are able to hear these things so quick and be able to follow and connect with things. And so, um, I don't know, I get concerned about, um, that side of it being like the, any of the religious side of anything, like it has to be this way, um, that it's a tyrannical punishment, you know, and I don't think that that has anything to do with anything that will ever help us with recovery, you know? Yeah, because that's not seeing through the eyes of love. That's seeing through the eyes of fear. Yes. And you're living out of fear. And that's not the point. It's the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And the book says the moment you start living out of fear, you project your, your fear, rage, shame, and guilt out into the world. So basically you start blaming the pain that you feel on someone else and that our thoughts create this illusionary, like hellacious world around us, you know? And that feels absolutely real because that's the reality that we've created. Yeah. Cause I feel like hell is real and I've been there. Yeah. It's I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I've very much been in and out of there. I have seen people in it. I've seen people passing away that I'm like, you know, thank God when they pass away, they'll be in remembrance, you know, like, <laughs> thank God for that. But in the moment, this is, they rather die. They would rather die. Like, I get it. I understand why they're dying because this is hell, you know, who would want to live like that? And, and I, and I, I feel that for people a lot. And I feel, um, and that's a part of my, like, that's a part of the wellness and the health industry and all of it that I just like, that's, that's why I do the things that I do because I'm like, I feel that I have seen witness to healing in this, on this earth. Like I, I can, I have seen how you can get out of hell and live in heaven on this earth. And so that's why I do the things that I do. That's why I share the words that I share. That's why I share wellness. That's why I share gardening. Um, I do garden healing at the farm on Mondays and it's just to show people like there's heaven, you know, and it doesn't have to be on my property and you don't have to like have, you know, it doesn't have to be this, but you can find your place, your sanctuary, you know, your place of heaven. And, um, And, uh, and then you, and then, and then you start to internalize it by having, you know, being able to see it, right. Because, because we're so used to our eyes projecting and seeing images in that, you know, well then, um, let's, 
Let's create, let's, let's have, let's, let's find ourselves an actual visual image of it, right? Let's find a friend who has the face of someone that is, is angelic and heaven and talk to them, right? Because eventually we'll be able to like internalize that and go, oh, that's, that's perfect love that's inside of me. I don't have to go anywhere to get that. And then we find it in our gardens. And when we run into dis, dis, dis ease or sickness, we find it in ourselves and we start coming back to it. And then we are there on when someone is on the edge. And I talk specifically about this because the end of the year last year, when my mental health got really bad, um, I think related to the autoimmune issues that I was having, um, I felt like I was on the edge, like suicidal on the edge. And this wasn't even that many months ago. And um, what, what I remember was that I felt this pressure to get up and what I felt was that it was the hand of reaching down in the water of someone like you or, and, and you don't even have to know me yet, but you're already, you're in prayer for me, even though you don't know me. And so that's what I'm doing when I'm out there in my joy spots and my beauty spots. And so that's what I'm saying. When we come together, be of one mind, be of one mind, but remember always that we're of one mind. So when we're seeking someone to pull us back from the edge, it's there for us. And I, I know that you've prayed for people, not knowing even who you were praying for. And, you know, you've prayed for yourself. And in both of those situations, that's the kind of love and prayer that's pulling someone out, just like it has pulled you out before. Yeah. You know? yes. And we rely on it. Yeah. Yeah. Every single night I do it in my 12 step work, like I do uh, my own personal inventory where I review my day, but there's always a prayer and there's always a prayer for those that are suffering. And there are days where I'm just writing it because it's what I write. And so I do try to be mindful and put my heart into that because there are so many that are suffering. And so to hear you say that, like, that's absolutely what it is. It's just, yeah, yeah. It, it's that hand reaching out. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you, you do get a feeling like you're there, you're in the worst case. And then just something tells you like, just get up, just get up. You know, I, you have no idea what you're going to do, but just get up and you just get up and then you just move forward. And it's that I truly believe it's the prayers of others that are out there that have been put out there. My friend does a thing where she prays every single day into the chasm with love and that the chasm. And then, and, and that gave me the visual image of like, when you're on the edge of the chasm, that the chasm woof, pushes you back up off the edge and pushes you back into the world. And you go, not yet. You're not done yet. You're, you're going to keep going. You know, there's, there's still more people out there that need you. Yes. Yeah. And those moments of desperation are the moments that kind of crack you wide open. Like you said, they made you ready to go back because you're like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. So what are we, what are we doing? Like, yeah. how, you know, how are we going to walk through this? Yep. And it, and it empowered me. Like it flipped the switch in me. And I mean, I, I, I did a full fledged quit all the bad habits because part of the reason is because I do the autoimmune protocol diet. Um, because that was like the biggest thing with me. Like I was physically nutrient, like deficient. Like I was, my body was sick. Your body's fighting you, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a hundred percent what it is. And it starts with leaky gut and then your body starts setting off the immune system, just like sets everything up. So I quit my, plant-based medicine habits. I quit my uh, drinking alcohol habits. 
I quit my eating all the, I mean, like a ridiculous amount of things that we just normally eat all of those for now. Like I'm doing an elimination with that. Um, but I also engaged some positive habits. I started going to yoga chapel. I started going to recovery. Um, you know, I made some changes in the way that I, in my like codependent relationship where it's like, I'm not always going to rely on that person to solve my problems for me anymore. I'm going to, you know, and then what happened was the moment I made that commitment again to God and set out with the conviction that, you know, Aislinn has her own special level and way to have convictions for things. I now feel empowered. And when I made that step forward, it was like, it was like everything that's been waiting for me to make a step just went, yes. And we just started like rolling and just like the words that were coming out of my mouth and the way my garden was growing and the way that people were responding to me and people were just like, yes, you're doing it, you know? And so it's like, people go, we can do it too. And I'm like, you can do it too. I know you can. Let's do it. Let's all do it together. And, and so I think that, you know, talking about it, sharing what we're sharing. And so like, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for bringing me on to share because this is how we do it. You know, this is how we're there for somebody in that moment. And we don't know exactly how it's going to work, like how we're going to be, how the seed we plant is going to, germinate you know it might not germinate the season that's got that's the faith it's just that we do it anyway yeah exactly we just do it anyway and just well yeah uh, i have the faith of a farmer so that's (laughs) like i just can go back to that now like i keep putting seeds in the ground never knowing what i'm ever going to really grow you know whatever is going to have with my abundance but i'm absolutely writing down have the faith of a farmer Mm -hmm. It takes a lot because it, because we deal with it all, you know, we deal with death and we deal with, um, climactic weather and we deal with, um, things that just don't work out. We deal with drought, we deal with flood, you know, we deal with it all, but that doesn't change the fact that I keep doing it and I love it. And every year I just, even if I only wrote one tomato, I'm like, it's the most beautiful tomato I've ever seen in all of my life, you know? (laughs) And, and that starts, that starts way back when. And then all of a sudden you realize that for 20 years, you've been learning a craft and now you're the best tomato farmer in like all the area, you know? Um, But it wasn't about me. Like, that's the thing that I had to learn. That's the part where I began to handle my anxiety and my post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, all those things was, it's not about me. You know, it's about something bigger than me. It's about all of us. It's about the oneness. It's about the interconnectedness. It's about my relationship with the body of the earth. You know, it's, it's all of that interconnectedness. And, um, and, and I could see, I could see visually. And that's the thing I think we're all often looking for. How do I see what I'm like feeling inside of me? on the outside and I could see it visually. And for me, the farm and the garden was the place where I could see it. And so I share that because that might be the way other people see it. That isn't the way that all people are going to see it. Kind of like the course of miracles for me, that's the way I can see it. That's not going to be the way for all people to see it, you know? And so I think that as we offer our special, I mean, I think that that's the part of our individuality and specialness that is special. You know, we're not special in that we're separate from, you know, independent separate. We're special in that each one of us comes here with a special set of like 
whatever that we have to share with the world and makes a connection with somebody, right. Or another someone out there. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love, love, love it. <clears throat> I love what you bring to the community as well. So it's like, like you said, like you've actually been doing this now for over 20 years. And so it's like you tend to your internal garden and your external garden flourishes. Yep. Yep. 100%. Yep. So as a, as a non, as a non gardener, I don't even have a cactus. This is my, <laughs> this is my garden. <laughs> it's fake. Listen, you're a woman and women are very creative. We're a natural tendency to create. So if you ever wanted to grow anything, you just need a little bit of, you need a little bit of, um, of um, confidence. And sometimes just holding, letting someone like me hold your hand, this gives you just enough confidence to recognize your I'm, internal power. I'm going to have to come out to the farm. Absolutely. You definitely should. Yes. Yeah. A Monday garden healing, come and just piddle with me and just see what we're doing out here. Plus sunshine, fresh air, animals. Oh, yeah. All of it. I love it. Yeah. I love all of those things. Yeah. I just don't want to kill anything. So yes, I need to go with the mindset of nurturing yeah. and learning and flourishing and not <laughs> murdering plant life. Yeah, no, you I, I I can't tell you the number of people that tell me that. It's just that we we've so in some ways we've disconnected from our in well, not in some ways, we've disconnected from our internal self, which is our creative self, you know, creative to the power power of God creative. That's how creative we are. And we've disconnected ourselves from it. And the further down the technological strain we get, the further we get away from it. But also the further we get down that train, we, um, we feel disconnected. You know, we don't feel like we have that creative power in us anymore. And, um, and that makes us feel really sad, you know, because especially, and I don't think I, I don't want to say, especially just the physical body of a female, but the feminine aspect of all that exists feels sad that it's not it, that it's creative power is squashed, you know, and earth and the mother earth and plants and life and creating life and birth, you know, all those things that is, that is the feminine structure of the yin and the yang. And, um, it's val, it's extremely valuable. The creative natural structure is extremely valuable. And I think that the time that we're in right now is not to d- negate. I actually have a more ma- very masculine personality, more time. It's not time to negate the doer side of it. It's time to bring it all together. Like yeah. the, the thinker and the doer and the creative and the masculine and the feminine. And really like for the first time, really be able to integrate all of that stuff going all the way back to the beginning with the wellness conversation. Let's bring it all in together and let's do this together. You know, and if we can bring it all in there in together, then we can actually like really rise up. Like what kind of heaven can we create on earth if we come together and do this thing? I have hope, man. I have so much hope. I'm not afraid. I I know it's the end of the world as we know it, but I feel fine. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're so special. You really, really are. I'm so glad that I met you. Thank you. Me too. You too. I agree. Yeah. I look forward to more conversations with you during all the things we we come across together. Absolutely. Do you want to tell us, do you want to tell us about your podcast before we go? Sure. Um, Joe and I, my partner have a podcast called Dinner Table Talks. Uh, We started it back in 2019. And so it's a flow of everything that's happened between two Gen X partners with children in the house, graduating, going to college, um, the moving out here to the farm, uh, my 
partner's parents that have passed away. So, you know, you start to see that midlife start to come, midlife crisis stuff, dealing with mental uh, issues, health, physical health, all things you would talk about at the dinner table. Plus, we always talk about the food that we're eating and the recipes that we're cooking and the things that we're growing in the garden and all the things that are happening out here on the farm. And you can find that really anywhere that podcasts go. Um, and then also we put it up on YouTube as well. Um, yeah. And if you ever want to just find out where anything I'm up to the farm or any more details about that, you can find that at my website, which is a I S L Y N N Campbell.com. So Aislinn Campbell.com. And, um, it's a farmer's website in that it's really nice in some ways and really jumbled in other ways, but anything you're looking for, you can find. And of course, if you want to sign up for my email, that'll give you the updated information regularly. So yeah. And And I'm everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'll include links for both of them in the show notes so people can easily find you because I, I listened and I was thoroughly entertained. So I think, Uh, I think listeners should definitely head over that way. Yeah. But I, look I think outside to the box. Yeah, there's That's no good. doubt about that. Like, I, I so think outside the box. I push the limits of politics. I mean, I don't let anything like I really push things. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. And I hope we will do this again soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Have the faith of a farmer. I absolutely love that. That is something that I'm going to keep posted next to my desk here. You know, the seeds that we plant may not grow immediately. We may not have immediate results from the things that we're doing right in this moment, but we have to have faith that that they're growing and that they'll come when it's time. We discussed quite a bit in this episode. Um, There were references to to 12-step recovery. There were references to recovery dharma. And there are references to A Course in Miracles, which if you're not familiar with, it can be a pretty heavy spiritual textbook. But Aislinn does run, she does run a, uh, a Facebook group where you can hop on and go through a course study with her. And there are, if you actually just get on your computer and look it up, there are several different people that are leading these courses. And it is a beautiful way to connect to, uh, to the love and the light in the world and open yourself up to expect miracles and recognize that you are a miracle. If you are suffering today, I just want you to know that you matter and you are going to get through this and it's not always going to be like this. And I encourage you, I implore you, please reach out for help. If you don't want help, just reach out to talk. You know, just know that there are people that are here, that are willing to listen, that want to listen, and those hands that Aislinn talked about that are that are reaching out and pulling you back. Like, there are people that are rooting for you to be here. So please don't give up. If you're enjoying the show, please, please, please give us a follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Those rates and reviews help us be seen and heard by the people who need to hear these messages. So I encourage you to definitely take time to do that. 
Thank you for listening. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week.